0: case 3 the nemesis of fire part 2 of john silence this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org john silence by algernon blackwood case 3 the nemesis of fire part 2 on coming into possession he said looking us alternately in the face I found a crop of stories of the most extraordinary and impossible kind I had ever heard, stories which at first I treated with amused indifference, but later was forced to regard seriously, if only to keep my servants. These stories, I thought, traced to the fact of my brother's death, and in a way I think still do. He leaned forward and handed the map to Dr. Silence. "'It's an old plan of the estate,' he explained." but accurate enough for our purpose, and I wish you would note the position of the plantations marked upon it, especially those near the house. That one, indicating the spot with his finger, is called the twelve-acre plantation. It was just there, on the side nearest the house, that my brother and the head-keeper met their deaths. He spoke as a man forced to recognize facts that he deplored, and would have preferred to leave untouched. Things he personally would rather have treated with ridicule if possible. It made his words particularly dignified and impressive, and I listened with an increasing uneasiness as to the sort of help the doctor would look to me for later. It seemed as though I were a spectator of some drama of mystery in which any moment I might be summoned to play a part. "'It was twenty years ago,' continued the colonel, "'but there was much talk about it at the time, unfortunately,' and you may perhaps have heard of the affair. Stride, the keeper, was a passionate, hot-tempered man, but, I regret to say, so was my brother, and quarrels between them seem to have been frequent. I do not recall the affair, said the doctor. May I ask what was the cause of death? Something in his voice made me prick up my ears for the reply. The keeper, it was said, from suffocation, and at the inquest, The doctors averred that both men had been dead the same length of time when found. "'And your brother?' asked John Silence, noticing the omission, and listening intently. "'Equally mysterious,' said our host, speaking in a low voice with effort. "'But there was one distressing feature I think I ought to mention. For those who saw the face, I did not see it myself, and though Stride carried a gun, its chambers were undischarged, He stammered and hesitated with confusion. Again that sense of terror moved between his words. He stuck. "'Yes,' said the chief listener sympathetically. "'My brother's face,' they said, "'looked as though it had been scorched. "'It had been swept, as it were, "'by something that burned, blasted. "'It was, I am told, quite dreadful. "'The bodies were found lying side by side, "'faces downward, both pointing away from the wood,' as though they had been in the act of running, and not more than a dozen yards from its edge. Dr. Silence made no comment. He appeared to be studying the map attentively. I did not see the face myself, repeated the other, his manner somehow expressing the sense of awe he contrived to keep out of his voice. But my sister unfortunately did, and her present state I believe to be entirely due to the shock it gave to her nerves. She never can be brought to refer to it naturally, AND I AM EVEN INCLINED TO THINK THAT THE MEMORY HAS MERCIFULLY BEEN PERMITTED TO VANISH FROM HER MIND, BUT SHE SPOKE OF IT AT THAT TIME AS A FACE SWEPT BY FLAME, BLASTED. John SILENCE LOOKED UP FROM HIS CONTEMPLATION OF THE MAP, BUT WITH THE AIR OF ONE WHO WISHED TO LISTEN, NOT TO SPEAK, AND PRESENTLY COLONEL Wragge WENT ON WITH HIS ACCOUNT. HE STOOD ON THE MAT, HIS BROAD SHOULDERS HIDING MOST OF THE MANTELPIECE. They all centered about this particular plantation, these stories. That was to be expected, for the people here are as superstitious as Irish peasantry, and though I made one or two examples among them to stop the foolish talk, it had no effect, and new versions came to my ears every week. You may imagine how little good dismissals did when I tell you that the servants dismissed themselves. It was not the house servants, but the men who worked on the estate outside. The keepers gave notice one after another, none of them with any reason I could accept. The foresters refused to enter the wood, and the beaters to beat in it. Word flew all over the countryside that twelve-acre plantation was a place to be avoided, day or night. There came a point, the colonel went on, now well in his swing, when I felt compelled to make investigations on my own account. I could not kill the thing by ignoring it so I collected and analyzed the stories at first hand. For this twelve-acre wood, you will see by the map, comes rather near home. Its lower end, if you will look, almost touches the end of the back lawn, as I will show you tomorrow. and its dense growth of pines forms the chief protection the house enjoys from the east winds that blow up from the sea. And in olden days, before my brother interfered with it and frightened all the game away, it was one of the best pheasant coverts in the whole estate." "'And what form, if I may ask, did this interference take?' asked Dr. Silence. "'In detail I cannot tell you, for I do not know, except that I understand it was the subject of his frequent differences with the head-keeper. But during the last two years of his life, when he gave up travelling and settled down here, he took a special interest in this wood, and for some unaccountable reason began to build a low stone wall around it. This wall was never finished, but you shall see the ruins tomorrow in the daylight.' and the results of your investigations, these stories, I mean? The doctor broke in, anxious to keep him to the main issues. Yes, I'm coming to that, he said slowly. But the wood first, for this wood, out of which they grew like mushrooms, has nothing in any way peculiar about it. It is very thickly grown, and rises to a clearer part in the center, a sort of mound where there is a circle of large boulders, old druid stones, I'm told. At another place there's a small pond. There's nothing distinctive about it that I could mention, just an ordinary pine wood, a very ordinary pine wood, only the trees are a bit twisted in the trunks, some of them, and very dense, nothing more. And the stories? Well, none of them had anything to do with my poor brother, or the keeper, as you might have expected, and they were all odd, such odd things, I mean, to invent or imagine." I never could make out how these people got such notions into their heads. He paused a moment to relight his cigar. There's no regular path through it. He resumed puffing vigorously. But the fields round it are constantly used, and one of the gardeners whose cottage lies over that way declared he often saw moving lights in it at night, and luminous shapes like globes of fire over the tops of the trees, skimming and floating, and making a soft hissing sound most of them said that, in fact. And another man saw shapes flitting in and out among the trees, things that were neither men nor animals, and all faintly luminous. No one ever pretended to see human forms, always queer huge things they could not properly describe. Sometimes the whole wood was lit up, and one fellow, he's still here and you shall see him, has a most circumstantial yarn, but having seen great stars lying on the ground round the edge of the wood at regular intervals. What kind of stars? put in John Silence sharply, in a sudden way that made me start. Oh, I don't know. Quite ordinary stars, I think he said, only very large and apparently blazing as though the ground was alight. He was too terrified to go close and examine, and he has never seen them since. He stooped and stirred the fire into a welcome blaze, welcome for its blaze of light rather than for its heat. In the room there was already a strange pervading sensation of warmth. That was oppressive in its effect and far from comforting of course he went on straightening up again on the mat this was all commonplace enough this seeing lights and figures at night most of these fellows drink and imagination and terror between them may account for almost anything but others saw things in broad daylight one of the woodmen, a sober respectable man took the shortcut home to his midday meal, and swore he was followed the whole length of the wood by something that never showed itself, but dodged from tree to tree, always keeping out of sight, yet solid enough to make the branches sway and the twigs snap on the ground. And it made a noise, he declared. But really, the speaker stopped and gave a short laugh. It's too absurd. Please, insisted the doctor, for it is these small details that give me the best clues always. It made a crackling sound, he said, like a bonfire. Those were his very words, like the crackling of a bonfire. Finished the soldier with a repetition of his short laugh. Most interesting, Dr. Silence observed gravely. Please omit nothing. Yes, he went on, and it was soon after that the fires began, the fires in the wood. They started mysteriously burning in the patches of coarse white grass that covered the more open parts of the plantation. No one ever actually saw them start, but many, myself among the number, have seen them burning and smoldering. They are always small and circular in shape, and for all the world like a picnic fire. The head-keeper has a dozen explanations, from sparks flying out of the house chimneys to the sunlight focusing through a dewdrop, but none of them, I must admit, convince me as being in the least likely or probable. They are most singular, I consider most singular, these mysterious fires and I am glad to say that they come only at rather long intervals, and never seem to spread. But the keeper had other queer stories as well, and about things that are verifiable. He declared that no life ever willingly entered the plantation, more that no life existed in it at all. No birds nested in the trees or flew in their shade. He set countless traps, but never caught so much as a rabbit or a weasel. Animals avoided it, and more than once he picked up dead creatures round the edges that bore no obvious signs of how they had met their death. Moreover, he told me one extraordinary tale about his retriever chasing some invisible creature across the field one day when he was out with his gun. The dog suddenly pointed at something in the field at his feet and gave chase, yelping like a mad thing. It followed its imaginary quarry to the borders of the wood and then went in, a thing he had never known it to do before. The moment it crossed the edge, It is darkish in there even in daylight it began fighting in the most frenzied and terrific fashion it made him afraid to interfere he said and at last when the dog came out hanging its tail down and panting he found something like white hair stuck to its jaws and brought it to show me I tell you these details because they are important believe me the doctor stopped him and you still have it this hair he asked it disappeared in the oddest way the colonel explained It was curious-looking stuff, something like asbestos, and I sent it to be analyzed by the local chemist. But either the man got wind of its origin, or else he didn't like the look of it for some reason, because he returned it to me and said it was neither animal, vegetable, nor mineral so far as he could make out, and he didn't wish to have anything to do with it. I put it away in paper, but a week later on opening the package, it was gone. Oh, the stories are simply endless. I could tell you hundreds all on the same lines.' and personal experiences of your own, Colonel Ragg? asked John silence earnestly, his manner showing the greatest possible interest and sympathy. The soldier gave an almost imperceptible start. He looked distinctly uncomfortable. Nothing, I think, he said slowly. Nothing uh, I should like to rely on. I mean, nothing I have the right to speak of, perhaps, yet. His mouth closed with a snap. Dr. Silence, after waiting a little to see if he would add to his reply, did not seek to press him on the point. Well, he resumed presently, and as though he would speak contemptuously, yet dared not. This sort of thing has gone on at intervals ever since. It spreads like wildfire, of course, mysterious chatter of this kind, and people began trespassing all over the estate, coming to see the wood, and making themselves a general nuisance. Notices of man-traps and spring-guns "'only seemed to increase their persistence, "'and think of it,' he snorted. "'Some local research society "'actually wrote and asked permission "'for one of their members "'to spend a night in the wood. fools who didn't write for leave, "'came and took away bits of bark from the trees "'and gave them to clairvoyants, "'who invented in their turn "'a further batch of tales. "'There was simply no end to it all. "'Most distressing and annoying, "'I can well believe,' interposed the doctor. "'Then suddenly,' The phenomena ceased as mysteriously as they had begun, and the interest flagged. The tales stopped. People got interested in something else. It all seemed to die out. This was last July, I can tell you exactly, for I've kept a diary more or less of what happened. Ah! But now, quite recently, within the past three weeks, it has all revived again with a rush, with a kind of furious attack, so to speak. It has really become unbearable you may imagine what it means, and the general state of affairs, when I say that the possibility of leaving has occurred to me.' "'Incendiarism?' suggested Dr. Silence, half under his breath, but not so low that Colonel Rag did not hear him. "'By Jove, sir, you take the very words out of my mouth!' exclaimed the astonished man, glancing from the doctor to me, and from me to the doctor, and rattling the money in his pocket as though some explanation of my friend's divining powers were to be found that way. "'It's only that you are thinking very vividly,' the doctor said quietly, "'and your thoughts form pictures in my mind before you utter them. "'It's merely a little elementary thought-reading. "'His intention, I saw, was not to perplex the good man, "'but to impress him with his powers so as to ensure obedience later. "'Good Lord, I had no idea!' He did not finish the sentence, and dived again abruptly into his narrative. I did not see anything myself, I must admit, but the stories of independent eyewitnesses were to the effect that lines of light, like streams of thin fire, moved through the wood, and sometimes were seen to shoot out precisely as flames might shoot out, in the direction of this house. There, he explained in a louder voice that made me jump, pointing with a thick finger to the map, where the westerly fringe of the plantation comes up to the end of the lower lawn at the back of the house, where it links on to those dark patches, which are laurel shrubberies, running right up to the back premises. That's where these lights were seen. They passed from the wood to the shrubberies, and in this way reached the house itself, like silent rockets, one man described them, rapid as lightning and exceedingly bright. And this evidence you spoke of? They actually reached the sides of the house, They left a mark of scorching on the walls. The walls of the laundry building at the other end. You shall see them tomorrow. He pointed at a map to indicate the spot, and then straightened himself and glared about the room as though he had said something no one could believe and expected contradiction. Scorched, just as the faces were, the doctor murmured, looking significantly at me. Scorched, yes, repeated the colonel failing to catch the rest of the sentence in his excitement. There was a prolonged silence in the room, in which I heard the gurgling of the oil in the lamp, and the click of the coals, and the heavy breathing of our host. The most unwelcome sensations were creeping about my spine, and I wondered whether my companion would scorn me utterly if I asked to sleep on the sofa in his room. It was eleven o'clock, I saw by the clock on the mantelpiece. We had crossed the dividing line, and were now well in the moment of the adventure. The fight between my interest and my dread became acute, but even if turning back had been possible, I think the interest would have easily gained the day. I have enemies, of course. I heard the colonel's rough voice break into the pause presently, and have discharged a number of servants. It's not that, put in John, silence briefly. You think not? In a sense I am glad, and yet there are some things that can be met and dealt with. He left the sentence unfinished and looked down at the floor with an expression of grim severity that betrayed a momentary glimpse of character. This fighting man loathed and abhorred the thought of an enemy he could not see and come to grips with. Presently he moved over and sat down in the chair between us. Something like a sigh escaped him. Dr. Silence said nothing. My sister, of course, is kept in ignorance, as far as possible, of all this, he said disconnectedly, as if talking to himself. But even if she knew— she would find matter-of-fact explanations. I only wish I could. I'm sure they exist. There came then an interval in the conversation that was very significant. It did not seem a real pause or the silence real silence, for both men continued to think so rapidly and strongly that one almost imagined their thoughts clothed themselves in words in the air of the room. I was more than a little keyed up with the strange excitement of all I had heard, but what stimulated my nerves more than anything else was the obvious fact that the doctor was clearly upon the trail of discovery. In his mind at that moment, I believe he had already solved the nature of this perplexing psychical problem. His face was like a mask, and he employed the absolute minimum of gesture and words. All his energies were directed inwards, and by those incalculable methods and processes he had mastered with such infinite patience and study, I felt he was already in touch with the forces behind these singular phenomena, and laying his deep plans for bringing them into the open, and then effectively dealing with them. Colonel Ragg, meanwhile, grew more and more fidgety. From time to time he turned towards my companion, as though about to speak, yet always changing his mind at the last moment. Once he went over and opened the door suddenly, apparently to see if anyone were listening at the keyhole, for he disappeared a moment between the two doors, and then I heard him open the outer one. He stood there for some seconds, and made a noise as though he were sniffing the air like a dog. Then he closed both doors cautiously and came back to the fireplace. A strange excitement seemed growing upon him. Evidently he was trying to make up his mind to say something that he found difficult to say. And John silence, as I rightly judged, was waiting patiently for him to choose his own opportunity and his own way of saying it. At last he turned and faced us, squaring his great shoulders and stiffening perceptibly. Dr. Silence looked up sympathetically. Your own experiences help me the most, he observed quietly. The fact is, the colonel said, speaking very low, this past week there have been outbreaks of fire in the house itself, three separate outbreaks and all in my sister's room. Yes, the doctor said, as if this was just what he had expected to hear. Utterly unaccountable, all of them, added the other and then sat down, I began to understand something of the reason of his excitement. He was realizing at last that the natural explanation he had held to all along was becoming impossible, and he hated it. It made him angry. Fortunately, he went on, she was out each time but does not know, but I have made her sleep now in a room on the ground floor. A wise precaution, the doctor said simply. He asked one or two questions. The fires had started in the curtains— once by the window and once by the bed. The third time smoke had been discovered by the maid coming from the cupboard, and it was found that Miss Rags' clothes hanging on the hooks were smoldering. The doctor listened attentively, but made no comment. "'And now can you tell me,' he said presently, "'what your own feeling about it is, your general impression?' "'It sounds foolish to say so,' replied the soldier after a moment's hesitation but I feel exactly as I have often felt on active service in my Indian campaigns, just as if the house and all in it were in a state of siege, as though a concealed enemy were encamped about us, in ambush somewhere. He uttered a soft, nervous laugh, as if the next step of smoke would precipitate a panic, a dreadful panic. The picture came to me of the night shadowing the house, and the twisted pine trees he had described crowding about it, concealing some powerful enemy, and glancing at the resolute face and figure of the old soldier, forced at length to his confession, I understood something of all he had been through before he sought the assistance of john Silence. And tomorrow, unless I am mistaken, is full moon, said the doctor suddenly, watching the other's face for the effect of his apparently careless words. Colonel Wragge gave an uncontrollable start, and his face for the first time showed unmistakable pallor. What in the world? he began his lip quivering. "'Only that I am beginning to see light in this extraordinary affair,' returned the other calmly, and if my theory is correct, each month, when the moon is at the full, should witness an increase in the activity of the phenomena. "'I don't see the connection,' Colonel Wragge answered almost savagely, "'but I am bound to say my diary bears you out.' He wore the most puzzled expression I have ever seen upon an honest face, but he abhorred this additional corroboration of an explanation that perplexed him. "'I confess,' he repeated, "'I cannot see the connection.' "'Why should you?' said the doctor, with his first laugh that evening. He got up and hung the map upon the wall again. "'But I do, because these things are my special study, and let me add that I have yet to come across a problem that is not natural and has not a natural explanation.' IT'S MERELY A QUESTION OF HOW MUCH ONE KNOWS AND ADMITS. COLONEL RAGG EYED HIM WITH A NEW AND CURIOUS RESPECT IN HIS FACE. BUT HIS FEELINGS WERE SOOTHED. Moreover, THE DOCTOR'S LAUGH AND CHANGE OF MANNER CAME AS A RELIEF TO ALL, AND BROKE THE SPELL OF GRAVE SUSPENSE THAT HAD HELD US SO LONG. WE ALL ROSE AND STRETCHED OUR LIMBS, AND TOOK LITTLE WALKS ABOUT THE ROOM. I AM GLAD, DOCTOR SILENCE, IF YOU WILL ALLOW ME TO SAY SO, THAT YOU ARE HERE, HE SAID SIMPLY, VERY GLAD INDEED. And now I fear I have kept you both up very late, with a glance to include me, for you must be tired and ready for your beds. I have told you all there is to tell, he added, and tomorrow you must feel perfectly free to take any steps you think necessary. The end was abrupt yet natural, for there was nothing more to say, and neither of these men talked for mere talking's sake. Out in the cold and chilly air he lit our candles and took us upstairs. The house was at rest and still, everyone asleep. We moved softly. Through the windows on the stairs we saw the moonlight falling across the lawn throwing deep shadows. The nearer pine trees were just visible in the distance, a wall of impenetrable blackness. Our host came for a moment to our rooms to see that we had everything. He pointed to a coil of strong rope lying beside the window, fastened to the wall by means of an iron ring. Evidently it had been recently put in. I don't think we shall need it, Dr. Silence said with a smile i trust not replied our host gravely i sleep quite close to you across the landing he whispered pointing to the door and if you if you want anything in the night you will know where to find me he wished us pleasant dreams and disappeared down the passage into his room shading the candle with his big muscular hand from the drafts john silence stopped me a moment before i went you know what it is i asked with an excitement that even overcame my weariness yes he said i'm almost sure and you not the smallest notion he looked disappointed but not half as disappointed as i felt egypt he whispered egypt end of case three the nemesis of fire part two